Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Tis a Tuesday morning get-together here on Birds 365. you got your two regular hosts, Mac and Mac, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. And J-Mac, I told you just before the show started, you might have to do a little heavy lifting today. Approximately 200 pounds, as a matter of fact. Because uh, yours truly is attempting to go through the show sans caffeine. Ooh. No coffee for me this morning. I've not had a drop. I've had just a couple of sips of water, which I'm not really supposed to be having either. Uh, you truly's got to have blood work done this morning, and you're in a 12-hour <clears throat> fast that you're not supposed to be eating anything or drinking. I haven't eaten a thing. I can guarantee you that since before 10 o'clock last night. Um, but I've had just a couple of drops of water because i got to keep my voice hydrated. But no caffeine for the Mac Man today. Well, I'm so. gonna I'm gonna give you a little tip, and I, you know, feel free. It's worth what it's worth because okay. I don't know anything. But you know, many times they always tell you that. I always drink water. Nobody's ever complained, ever complained. Nobody's Leaving. ever said this is this this blood work is no good. I so I've always taken it. And by the way, I could be completely wrong. So. Don't take my advice on the stream, but I I have never. It's like airplane mode on a plane. Like if you don't turn that thing on, they're not stopping the plane. They're yeah, they're going to keep going. That's I've true. forgotten to turn on airplane mode. I'm I'm making a lot of admissions and blood work. Yeah, I drink water. I'm like, what what what, what does it matter? They, mm. no one has ever complained. It, I'm just it, saying. I, I understand the only one who could complain would be the doctor who would check your blood work afterwards and go, yeah. wait, this is too watered down. I didn't get an actual yeah. read of what I need to get a read in your blood test. No yeah. doctor has ever said that to you. No. Now, I'm not saying I haven't sat there and drank 16 gallons of water. Maybe it would be diluted at that point. But I always drink water. That's all I do. I don't drink the coffee. I won't eat. But I will drink water. I'm not going to. I'm not going to make sure I'm going to keel over and get the right. And, and oh, by the way, uh, I need to be on the air here. I was on the air last night, and I'm on the air again now. 
so I can't not drink water, but I'm trying to keep it to yeah, regular. You're going to be fine. Nobody's going to say, oh, this is no good. I'm okay. going to guarantee that. I, I, right hope here. Th I hope that's the case. We'll find out when I go to the doctor on Friday. Uh, but I'm, I'm doing without the caffeine today, buddy. So you might have to energize me a little bit. I got faith that you will. I'll give you somebody who didn't energize me yesterday. And that's the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, Nick Sirianni. I know you guys did the Zoom thing with him yesterday. Uh, good job by all you media members asked the questions that I wanted to have asked. I just didn't get the answers that I was looking for. Well, uh, I, you didn't get Jalen Rager, I tell you. But, you know, I knew it was coming. Is that the one you're most upset about? Well, yeah, that he said Jalen Rager gives us the best chance to win. Yeah. Well, really? Yeah. After that game on Sunday, you're going to look into a zoom lens and you're going to say Jalen Rager gives us the best chance to win. I'm going to, I'm going to take this as an indictment on the receivers, not a endorsement of Jalen Rager. I'm an indictment of the receivers behind him, not endorsements of, of Jalen Rager. And that's kind of what I said in a different way. At, at, they don't have anything behind them. It's similar. We had this discussion where Derek Barnett was having all the issues before. Look, you can bench a player when you have something behind him, at least that could potentially be some kind of not even an upgrade. It could be a lateral, lateral move, but something close just to change it up, like a pitcher throwing a different pitch. But when you fall off a table – you got to keep the guy out there and hope he figures some things out. In the case of Derek Barnett, it's it's worked a little bit. We'll see if it works with Jalen Rager. I doubt it. I'm with you. I don't think it's going to happen. But I think this is more of an indictment of the Greg Wards and J.J. Ortega-Whitesides and obviously the guys on the practice squad are the guys on the practice squad for a reason. I don't think it's Jalen Rager gives us a chance to win. That's coach speak of, Hey, guys, I don't have anything else. <laughs> so he's going to be out there. All right. Let me respond to your response, which certainly makes sense. Doesn't mean I have to agree with it, but it makes sense. I know he wasn't here last year, but Greg Wood was the leading wide receiver on the Philadelphia Eagles. And I know that you've, what I've uh, tried to uh, give Greg Ward his props and suggest Greg Ward could have a bigger role with this team. You've said that, yeah, but during the offseason, they had made their mind up that they wanted to have a speedier wide receiver core, that speed was important to them in the wide receiver core, that Greg Ward just doesn't possess the kind of speed that they want. And that's very well true. I'm not going to say he could win a race against either uh, Quez Watkins and or Jalen Rager. But to be a wide receiver in football, you have to be able to get open and you've got to be able to catch the ball and hold on to it. No matter how fast you run, no matter how athletic you may look, if you can't catch the ball, it is meaningless. And yes, I know Greg Ward had a ball that he could have caught the other day. I went back and watched it. Did you go back and watch it again? Did you watch the... Uh... Yeah, yeah. All right, how difficult to catch was Greg Ward's in the end zone on the sprint out Jalen Ward throwing a bullet from about seven yards away. 
Yeah, I, I thought a good receiver catches it, but you got to be a good receiver. I put a lot of it on the quarterback as well. You got to have, a, you got to make it an easier uh, ball to catch, and not everybody's a great receiver. That's kind of what I said originally. Great receivers make that catch. Average, below average receivers are going to have a uh, difficulty with it. The quarterback could have certainly made it easier. Let's put it that way. No question about it. Um, and yeah, I mean, a lot of guys wouldn't have came up with that catch. A lot of guys would have, but uh, you know, you, the assumption that everybody is going to make every catch is wrong. Right. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. And Jalen Rager had two balls that were much more catchable in my estimation. One, can't let it hit your helmet. That's never a good thing. And number two, just elevating to go get a ball rather than having to go a, a completely full-out dive in the end zone makes both of the two Jalen Hurts miss, misses uh, worse than the ball that Greg Ward didn't come up with. So uh, while uh, Nick Sirianni thinks one way and apparently you think with him, I think another. Greg Ward gives you a better chance to win. Is well, Greg... I think it's what, what you're trying to accomplish, number one. So, uh, I mean, in the Eagles at the start of the season, and still now, are obviously a heavy RPO team when it comes to the quarterback. Uh, the more speed you have on the field, the more ability, and the Eagles don't do a lot of this, but, you know, whether it's jet sweep or orbit motion or things like that, the more guys you can have to threaten that way opens up different things when they're not even touching the football or they're not designed to touch the football. I think from their perspective is they don't want Jalen uh, Rager getting seven touches, uh, seven targets, excuse me. They don't want uh, Greg Ward getting seven targets. They don't want J.J. Ortega-Whiteside getting seven targets. Um, and if, if if it reverts back to what it was in the little run where they're basically nobody's involved in the passing game except Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard, which is the goal, and I asked Nick about his game planning, and he I'm surprised. You know, he's told he's told us that behind the scenes. Now I can say it. I'm surprised he went so hardcore. It's six and eighty-eight on every stinking play uh, when they're looking to throw the football. That's progression one, progression two, or sometimes, as he mentioned yesterday, on the final offensive play, the progression was Devontae one A, Dallas one B. They didn't get the football to those guys, and they went in a different direction. So remember, that's the plan. And if that's the plan, you don't really need Greg Ward on the field because you're not going to throw the ball to the slot receiver. You're not, that's not a big part of your game plan. You're worried more about the running game. You're worried more about creating space for Jalen Hurts and the running backs. And Jalen Rager gives you an easier opportunity, as does Quez Watkins, to create space because of their speed and their ability to at least be a threat in that type of thing. If you're talking about a guy just to catch the football, yeah, I mean, Greg's going to catch it more than Jalen's going to catch it. 
I mean, we've seen that. The only thing Jalen Rager has is, and you go back to training camp, he's got that wow factor. Like every once in a while, remember those catches we talked about in yeah. training camp, the one-handed catches, goes up with a 40-inch ver- vertical leap. He's got that athleticism. But there's not. it's very similar to Nelson Aguilar. It, there's no consistency. There's no foundation to it. So great, he's a wow athlete. But I think Nick's thought process now is they're not getting the ball anyway, so I'm going to focus on this part of the game plan. Yeah, except they're not getting the ball anyway. Who had the most targets in the game? On yeah, well, I get that's not that's not by design. That's where well, then when the design breaks down, when Dallas Goddard isn't open, when Devonta Smith isn't open, and you're up to your third progression read, I'd prefer it to be Greg Ward than Jalen Rager. How difficult is that? But. Again, you're taking you're taking away. I hear what you're saying, but you're taking away from what you want to do originally, and that's what they want Jalen Hurts to do. So that's the teaching point. Like they don't want Jalen Hurts to get to the third progression. They want him to make the decision, get the football out of his hands, and and go on to the next play. In other words. You know, I, I tell that Tom Moore story all the time. Why don't you practice with your backup quarterback? The, the big joke with Peyton Manning. If if 18 is hurt, we're we're fucked and we don't practice fucked. That's what that's what Tom Moore said. You don't practice what you don't want to do. In other words, they don't want to get down to that progression. It's great to the scramble drill, but you're not gonna, in other words, Jody. You're not going to be thinking, oh, we're not going to accomplish what we want to accomplish on this play. And if we don't accomplish what we don't, what we're trying to accomplish, I would rather have Greg Ward out there as my last resort because he might not drop the football. Now, that's all I'm trying to say. You don't think that way as a play caller, as a coach, nor should you, by the way. Okay, yeah, you and I are just blatantly going to disagree with this. I comprehend the fact that you have a first option, you have a second option, and then you have a big drop-off to your third option. And Well, you shouldn't, but they do. What, excuse me? The, you shouldn't have a bigger drop-off as the Eagles right. do. Right, but, but they, they do. do. So, so then you have to try and come up with the best bad third option. I know you don't want to do it. I know that you want to try and make believe that we're never actually going to get there, that we're never going to throw the it's ball to our third guy. But other prepare. teams like the New York Giants, whose defense is adequate, it's not great, it's not phenomenal by any stretch of the imagination. And if they can do a good enough job to take your number one option and your number two option and minimize them enough that your quarterback can't bring himself to force the football into them – well, then you got to get to your third option. And every football team in the National Football League has to be able to do that. You don't want to do it. You'd prefer not to do it. You'd go to great lengths to avoid doing it. But sometimes the other team on the field is going to force you to do that. And when they do, you need to give yourself the best option of the bad options you have. And Jalen Rager is not that guy right now. The whole stretch the field and make the team play on. 
Nobody's playing honest against a jet sweep from Jalen Rager. He loses yardage every time he does it. So I understand the concept of it. We're 12 games into the season. Everybody's got tape on what everybody's done all year long. Jalen Rager does not produce. He well, is that not we agree going with. To get respect not, from I'm, any other defense. Yeah, that that I completely agree with. That the the you know, and you can never prove the unknown. Their their assumption is like when you see Jalen Hurts. You know, you saw the great block by Jordan Mailata. Everyone saw where he went for a you know whatever it was a 13, 15 yard gain. You know, the spacing is pretty impressive on that play. What do the Eagles do well right now? There's only one thing they do well offensively, and that's run the football. So it's not make-believe. It's not that they don't know this guy is not producing. When 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 Nick Sirianni gives the coach speak of, again, you know, we're, we're you know, he gives us the best chance to win. What he's saying is we don't have anybody better. He would love to have a guy as a last resort that could also do the other things to help. And again, spacing is sort of one of those nebulous things where you can't prove anything until you see it. And nobody's concerned about the speed of, of, of and we saw it for, for the last couple of years under Doug Peterson with Greg Ward and Alshon Jeffrey, just no speed on the field. And that really, really affects you offensively for things you don't even think about. And the only thing this team does well right now is the running game. It's why Jalen Rager continues to play. It's why JJ continues to play for different reasons. His more as a blocker. But when that's all you do well, I get it. But Nick, and, and he threw that one quote out there, and I'll try to bring it up, but about he wants nobody wants to be able to pass the ball more than him. He's I'm paraphrasing. He he said, you know, I've been a uh a, a part of a lot of good passing offenses. Um, it's not where we want to be, but they don't have any other options. That's his perspective. That's all I'm trying to say. Okay. So uh, I got a question for you, which you may or may not have the answer to. I'd love to direct this question to uh, Nick Sirianni and or Howie Roseman. Why is Greg Ward here? If they think so little of him that he is so unable to show speed on the outside that he's gotten all of four, count them, four targets in 12 games. They've thrown the ball to him four times in 12 games. Why is he on the roster? Why veteran, is he here? Uh, veteran presence, leadership, good guy in the locker room. That's already, I mean, we've been talking about that since probably the show started. You know, you got a rookie, you got a second-year guy who can't play, a second-year guy who can play maybe a little bit. Um JJ, who's barely played again, John Hightower is a second year guy. If you want to go all the way to back to the practice squad, Deion Kane, Keyshawn Johnson, these guys have never really played. They don't have anybody with any veteran leadership. 
And if they did go out in the offseason and sign a veteran receiver, he probably wouldn't be here, to be honest. Probably wouldn't be here. Right. So it's it negligence on Howie Roseman's part. That well, that part, not, yeah. That he did not accomplish what he needed to accomplish was get a veteran receiver who can do more things than Greg Ward can in the estimation of the oh, Eagles yeah. and his coaches. And that guy staff. would be playing. That that guy would be playing. If they thought they had another option, Jalen Rager wouldn't be playing. The coaching staff I'm talking about. Then shame on Harry Roseman. That that was his job during this offseason to evaluate the entire group of wide receivers. And if it meant going out and giving up a sixth or seventh round draft pick, whatever it was, he gave it up to get the mustache man, the backup quarterback, but he wouldn't do it to get a wide receiver who could be your third wide receiver. And at the time, shoot, go all the way back. Well, I will say at, at, at the early process, you know, the hope was that Jalen Rager wouldn't be this bad, obviously. The hope was he would recover from a bad rookie season and – you know, again, while while people play revisionist history when it comes to the draft, it was the Eagles made a mistake. That's clear, especially when you look at the player selected right behind him. It's very clear. It's rarely that clear how much you make a mistake. But it wasn't like Jalen Rager was some non-entity as a prospect. Most people had him as a high second-round pick. A lot of people had him as a low first-round pick. You know, it wasn't like he was uh, – our fourth round grade by most people and the Eagles went, Hey, we want this guy. I mean, most people thought this, this kid had a chance to be a good player in the NFL. And again, that's where player development comes into. You got to, the Eagles haven't been able to develop wide receivers. So we give them credit for developing offensive linemen all the time. They do a tremendous job with it. Wide receiver, the exact opposite. They're terrible at it. Right, and uh, that's part of it. The coaching staff is certainly part of it. But this is on the general manager. And only Howie Roseman knows for sure, but do you think there was a little too much optimism that (laughs) Jalen Rager was going to turn around his poor rookie year? Maybe there was a little too much optimism that J.J. Arcega-Whiteside was going to be able to put two bad years in his rearview mirror? You have to be able to judge it uh, objectively and go, you know, we really could use a better third wide receiver. And it's a veteran guy who can bring that aspect to it because we're putting that on Greg Ward, who, oh, by the way, has only been around for three years and used to be a freaking quarterback. But he's the knowledgeable veteran wide receiver that you've got schooling these young, underachieving high draft picks. There's a game plan that's working for you. And maybe you tapped into part of the developmental problem. Uh, uh, You know, Greg Ward is a a very young receiver in his own right who learned the position on the fly. And, yeah, he's your veteran presence. That's a a bad plan. Not good, Mr. Roseman. All right. uh, Coming up next, you just mentioned on how the Eagles have been very good at developing offensive linemen. Oh, we'll have a guest on who loves to talk about offensive linemen because he was the damn good one during his time in the National Football League. You see him right here on Jacob Media, on the middle with Harry Mays, and on NBC Sports Philadelphia. Ex-Eagle Barrett Brooks joins us next here on Birds 365.
Inside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Appreciate you tuning in here to Birds 365. It's a tough Tuesday. Mostly because of the game against the Giants on Sunday. But the Eagles got some injury issues that they're dealing with. Here to give us a look at the birds and injuries and offensive linemen and what's expected of them. And he's got some loud-ass watch on. What the hell is that watch, Brooks? <laughs> you know, you know, I love Invictus, so another Invictus. That's all. <laughs> yeah, see, that's what he, I do, man. He, he's talking as if I know anything about that. <laughs> what, what what the hell kind of watch is it? Invicta. They have big size yeah. face watches, you know. Invicta so. watches, Jim. yeah, yeah. I like they're Invicta nice. watches. They're, I like, like it. Uh, hold on, let me show there you. There we my go. Watch. There's another one. Yeah, there's you know, my I... watch. It's called yeah. my cell phone. <laughs> That's what I use to find out what time it is when I need you know, to know what it, time it is. It is funny. I'm I'm I have a whole watch box filled of watches. I rarely wear them anymore, Barrett. I do. I go phone now. I, Occasionally. I, I don't even I don't look at the time on them. Like half my watches. Yeah, I never they're, look. They're, if yeah, I do wear them, I never look at the time. Yeah, it's on. just for the style, like if I'm you know on TV and I have a suit on, I I'd like to match my watch up with my suit yeah, or I whatever do. it is. So yeah. that's what I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so <laughs> you got swag, right. but you really yeah. don't know what time it is. Yeah. Okay, right, we got right. They're all stopped anyways. I got you. Exactly. I, I got a, I got about fifteen watch batteries. Anybody got a good watch battery guy? Right. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. All right, let's start with Jack Driscoll. 
Let's go offensive lineman. We got a great offensive lineman here, as Jody said. At what point, man, Jack Driscoll gone for the season? I've been very impressed with Jack. I was surprised. I thought the move inside would not be good for him. He's had some issues, but I, I think Jeff Stoutland's done a really good job getting him up to speed. And all of a sudden, he goes down. He's going to go on injured reserve. That means he's done for the season. Man, this team just keeps rolling out offensive linemen. Does it start to hurt with Nate Herbig? You saw the two holding penalties that obviously affected him against the New York Giants. But when does that pool drain? Or is Jeff Stoutland that good with these with these off- young offensive linemen? I really think Jeff Stoutland is that good. Um, you'll see a much better game out of Nate Herbig than you saw um, yesterday. I mean, on, on Sunday. Herbig... When he's in there, you, you change the offense. You don't run the same offense you do when you have a, a player to the caliber that you have with Kelsey. No, wait. Um, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on a minute, Barrett. They changed their offense? John was just telling me that's why they can't play Greg Ward. Well, with they're Kelsey. dedicated to no, an they're, offense, they're, they're, and they don't want to change Kelsey. it. But you're telling me an offensive lineman goes down and they change their entire philosophy on offense? No, it's not the entire philosophy, but you do change their play selection and how you block Kelsey. those plays. See, with Kelsey, he's good enough and he's fast enough, quick enough, and athletic enough to pull him around the corner and go up there and block linebackers and safeties. Nate Herbig is nowhere near the athlete that Kelsey is, so when he does it, it's not going to have the same effect. He's going to have holding calls. He's going to be put in a position where he's not a good athlete to be out there um, in space against linebackers and, and, and safeties and things of that nature. Kelsey can do that. He does it very well, but Herbig is not going to do it. So you have to change your play selection. You can still run the ball. You just don't run to the outside as often with those with their play selection because we don't have somebody that can get that Mike linebacker. See, usually he's the guy that he usually offensive lineman will go up through the um straight through the through the um through the line and up into all that wash. They usually get washed up and can't block a guy that's you know that's already outside where he's supposed to be blocking. Well, Kelsey's good enough to snap it and get around all that good gunk and all that stuff, you know, with guys falling down to get to the second level. So he that's why they break free, because he's able to be a good enough athlete to get out there. Yeah, real quick, though, Barrett, to Jody's point, and I don't know if you noticed, uh, in Nick Sirianni's postgame, he had to ask Bob Lang, who's the Eagles PR guy, if Kelsey came back in the game. Now, I don't know if that was – I uh, guess obviously he was out for a while and it looked like he was going to be out and he was lobbying to get back in. He comes back in and Nick Sirianni got asked a question. He looked at Lang and said, he came back. Right. So, you know, I'm not, I don't know if that was just the upsetness of losing that game or, but that, it shocked me. He was like, he was not on top of that. So well, I don't know how much they changed. Well, they didn't change what they were calling because that's where the holding call came in on the um, on the touchdown. Yeah. The Boston got touchdown. He pulled it around, and the uh, linebacker undercut him, so he lassoed him around with his arm, and and, and got the holding call. Um, I mean, it was a great play by him to even get out there. I was surprised he even was able to pull around and get out there and be there to make the block. But then you saw the athleticism of the linebacker running underneath him, you know. And he had to turn around and hold him to keep him from making the play. There lies the problem. Um, you, you, you still run, you still run run plays. You just don't do it. In fact, you'll be more pressed now to run plays in the inside because you don't want him out on the 
edge like that. You know, and not to say that he's a bad player. You know, Nate Herbie can play. That's not an edge. Right, right. You know, he's just doesn't. You know, he's not at that level. Yeah. Um, I just wonder: is Brandon Brooks ready to come back? (laughs) We just put him in there. We can run whatever we want to run. You heard what the coach said. Yeah, Nick rolled him out. He shot it down immediately and said, "Yeah, we're not even going to discuss him till after the bye week." It was like, "Don't bother me with that question." Uh, I don't know if he's disturbed or disappointed because they said it was going to be an eight-week injury, and we're already at week ten, and he's telling me, "Don't even talk to me for another two weeks." Uh, yes, we're all hoping for Brandon Burke to come back, but it does not look optimistic. All right, Barry, here's my flexibility question that I have for you. Because John said yesterday, you know, Nate Herbig as the center is like their fourth best center. That Kelsey is more of a center and Dickerson is more of a center, but they've already got him in trend, so they can't move him in there. So they begrudgingly have to put Herbig in there. Isaac, too, but he's gone. And and Sam yep. Mahler, right, who uh, would be able to make the move from uh, guard to tackle. So he's their fourth-best center. How much is that incumbent upon the players to have flexibility, to be able to play multiple positions on the line, to, without much of a drop-off, go from guard to center, from left to right? How difficult is that? And is a guy like me, who never played a day of offensive line in his life, uh, a jerk by going, come on, just it's offensive line. What do you mean it's so difficult to go from center to guard? It's it's four feet. Move to your right. It's not that big a deal. Am I understating how difficult a task it is? Is is it's a lot harder than what people think. People think that you can just you know put your hand down on both sides. You know you can come off the ball, but you know it's, it's, it's it has a lot to do with how your body is made up and also, you know, how your mind is made up. Cause when you go from one side to the other, your power hand changes. And that's the biggest difference. If you're not used to that power hand being, you know, the inside is your power hand when you're playing tackle or guard, you don't want anybody to beat you on the inside. So you always stay strong on, on, on that, on that side. Well, if you go out there and you switch to the other side and now your power hands on the outside, you're more prone to getting beat on the inside. That's a major difference as far as, you know, flip-flopping both sides. If you can do it, then it, it really makes you a jack-of-all-trades. Um, but it puts you in a position where you have to make sure you do that. But then you also have to look at the move from tackle to guard. When you move from tackle to guard, it's probably easy. It's a lot easier to play guard. But things get sped up a lot more. And it has to be a lot. you have to be a lot more physical to play in the interior as opposed to the outside. When you're a tackle, you're out there playing against great athletes, fast guys and you're out there on an island, but you have more space to move and maneuver. You know, you can go out there and you can, you can, you know, dance with a guy, you know, and, 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 you know, hand fight with a guy on the outside in the inside is none of that in the inside. They're trying to run straight through you because you're the fastest way to the quarterback. So everything is heightened. Everything is going a lot faster and it's a lot more physical. The guys are usually bigger in the inside also. So you have to be powerful. You have to set more, you know, stern when you're out there. And that's what Jake Driscoll had a problem with when he first got – when he first made the move in the guard. He wasn't as physical in there. He was still taking a tackle set. Once he learned to make those guards set, he turned out to be pretty good. And, you know, you have to stay with your power hand because that's that's right there where the quarterback is. He'll get right up the field and be right here to the quarterback. As opposed to when the outside, you could probably make a mistake and recover more so than when you're in a guard. You have to be more stout because quarterback usually steps in, and when he steps up to throw the ball, you can't be in his way. That's why, you know, a lot of guys, you know, quarterbacks hurt their hands because defensive linemen 
pushing the offensive lineman back. You can't let that happen. So it's just a difference in philosophy of how you're thinking. More aggressive on, aggressive on the inside. Outside, you can be a little more, uh, not to say, you know, not as aggressive, but you can, you know, you can definitely recover from a guy on the outside faster than a guy on the inside. Barrett, a couple things I want to get into you. We're going to talk about the quarterback situation, but before that, uh, I want to talk about the the final offensive play, and I want to get your perspective as a guy who looks at the film. Uh, To me, you know, a lot of the fan base was upset, and they thought Devontae Smith was really, really open, especially when he turned up the field and started waving his arm. My, My thought process was, Bradbury is a very savvy cornerback. He undercut that route for a reason because he knew he had safety help over the top. There was a very short window where Devontae was open. A guy like Aaron Rodgers can power that football in there. But if you don't make that decision, get the football out on time, he's not really open yep. uh, from an NFL perspective. That's what I saw. Fans just saw the, the, the screen clip of a receiver asking for the football not realizing how quick Xavier McKinney can get to that football if you're even a tick late, right or wrong. Well, you're absolutely right. And, you know, if you watch the – I think it was the first pick that he threw. It's kind of the same thing because Xavier McKinney was sitting over the top of the route on uh, on the first interception. And um, he looked like he was open, but he wasn't because it wasn't a bracketed play. But they were very aware on where everybody was on the field. And he was able to, you know, to go out there and make a play. In fact, let me look at my notes. Uh, when, I, when, I, when I looked at my notes, I saw it, and I made sure that, I, you know, I, I wanted to talk about it. Um, where did my notes go? I, had, I, I wrote it down on my notes. Yeah, yeah, here you go. I wrote his, it down on my notes. His notes are being blocked by his watch, folks. <laughs> <laughs> move, move the watch out of the way and be able to find the notes. Yeah, you know, so – they were very aware where, where Smith was a lot of the times during the day. So when he went out there, they almost had two people on, on, on you know, one over the top and, and one the guy that's playing him man-to-man every single play. Same thing with Goddard. When Goddard crossed the formation a lot of the times, a linebacker would carry him, but there would still be a DB over the top, you know, just in case. That's why a lot of the times Jalen Rigger was open is because they made sure they put the earnest of coverage on those two and they look like they're open, but they're not because they have somebody always over the top or underneath to make sure, you know, if they do catch the ball, they're going to stop them right then and there. And that's, you know, that's the dynamics of how guys are going to start playing the Philadelphia Eagles. The big thing to me is the reason why they did not have success on the offensive side of the ball because they didn't run the ball efficiently because they didn't try to run the ball efficiently. The Giants did something that nobody else has done for the past three and a half weeks. They played two high safeties. Yeah. Even on plays with, you know, when run formation with two tight ends in the game, they still stayed two high safeties. They only had six guys in the box. So as an offense, we should have ran a ball all day. A six, a, a, you know, six people in the box means you can run all day. We were running against eight guys in the box and having success. There were only six guys in the box. That's a travesty. We didn't take advantage of that, you know, that during that time why didn't we run the ball consistently when you have six guys in a box even your 12 personnel one running back two tight ends that's ridiculous so what they did they bracketed both guys like you know usually do and they felt good enough with their guys in the interior 
to stop the run. And that's the problem. How does a team play two high safeties against our running game? And the reason is because we didn't run the ball. You know, right. that's, you know, it's almost like forcing, you know, if you look with, you know, Kansas, they did the Kansas City for a long time until, he, uh, until you know, they start getting it together and being more patient in their play selection and hitting the underneath routes, making sure they hit the shallow crosses, getting Kelsey back involved at the tight end. It wasn't until Patrick Mahomes started doing that that the offense started working. Everybody played them too deep so they didn't have to worry about it. Well, the same thing with Jalen Hurts is going to have to do the same thing because there's are going to be teams going to do it. They're going to play two high safeties because they don't trust the fact that they're, you know, they can man-to-man Smith or, or Goddard. That's just the nature of how they play defense in this league. Barrett, you mentioned 12 personnel and two tight ends. Now, no, the Eagles played a ton of it last year before Nick Sirianni ever got here. Doug's last year. They played a bunch of it for the first several games of this season until they finally decided to trade Zach Ertz, even though Ertz had been traded by certain media members here in town two, three, <laughs> four times prior to his actually going to Arizona. We've seen very little too tight end. And anytime they run too tight end now, it's a running play. I, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. I go back and research it, and I'll tell you, 12 tight ends that equate to a run, about 98% for the Eagles since they've gone to 12 tight end since uh, uh, Mr. Ertz has taken his act to Arizona. How about 12 tight end and we actually try and pass the ball that put Tyree Jackson out there, who they certainly let us know was a guy that they were opening up more playing time. That's why they traded Zach Ertz because they had other tight ends on the roster that they wanted to develop and give a chance to and see if they could. Tyree Jackson gets five snaps a game. (laughs) Right, right. Why don't we think about that? I know there was the notion of what the Eagle offense was supposed to be before the season started. Well, they moved away from it enough to become a pretty dominant run team. Why can't they move back to some 12 personnel to get Jalen Rager off the field. I'm doing whatever I can to get Jalen Rager off the field and 12 tight end person. If you can tell me Greg Ward is too freaking <laughs> slow and he can't get separation from anybody and nobody would believe a Greg Ward power sweep, well, then why don't we go back to two tight ends? We've made that work before. You know what? Um, this would be the only time that they ran 12 personnel they passed out of, and it didn't work because, like I said, they had um, they had a six-man box, and they should have just ran the ball on it. But the three weeks before that, I really think they should have run 12 personnel and run a you know a, a play-action pass off of it because everybody was in the box. If you had eight and nine men, in, I mean, seven and eight men in the box, that means it's going to be hard for you to run because you have two free hitters then, two guys that are open. But that offensive line moved people off so much, that off the ball so much, and power blocked them down the field that they would get caught up in the wash and we were still able to run the ball. Well, I don't know why the, uh, they changed their philosophy, but they did run. The, they did pass the ball in 12 personnel as opposed to running it. They should have ran it this time instead of trying to pass it. But 12 personnel can really help this team out because number one, it helps with the play action. It gives you the illusion that you're going to run number one. Number two, it defines the defense on what they're doing. It makes you put a guy back in the body. It makes you, you know, see who's going where and if it's going to be man to man. It really opens things up for a quarterback and makes it easier to read for a quarterback. And I, I really think that, you know, Tyree Jackson is a the guy they want to implement in the offense. 
and like you said, you know, I feel sorry for the kid. I feel sorry for Jalen Rager, man. But this is a, a performance-based sport. If you're not going out there and you're performing, you got to sit on the bench. You got to sit down, man. There are too many other good players. You know, you could put in, you know, not just Tyree Jackson, but you can, you know, go to, um, you know, the, your running back and put him in the slot. You know, put 14 in there, you know, put the rookie in there at, at, at the slot because he's not really becoming an impact player. You got to put somebody in there that can make some plays happen. Even in a punt return game, he's done nothing in that either. You know, try out that, you know, try out the young guy there. You know, at this point, we, we, we're trying to find people that can go out there and, and be explosive players. He is shown not to be an explosive player. So why not put a guy like Kenneth Gainwell at the slot position or put Kenneth Gainwell you know, in a position to return punts, you know, see if we can find somebody to give us a healthy dose of athleticism at those two positions. Jalen Reagan is just not doing that for us right now. And he's becoming, you know, almost an anchor to the offense because when he is open, he's not going to catch it. And that's a problem. Um, Barrett, I, you know, I know I got limited time with you, so I do want to move on to the quarterback position for this reason. You bring up, and I was a little surprised early in the game, uh, they were trying to throw the football. They were trying to do uh, different things. They ended up being very successful running for 200 yards again. Um, and Jalen Hurts is a big part of it. Now, I'm not saying Jalen Hurts should be benched, deserves to be benched, or anything of that nature. But I do think there is a unique opportunity here because he tweaked his ankle. And the you're playing the New York Jets – and there's a bye week after that. Could you learn something about this offense if Gardner Minshew plays one game and then you go back to Jalen Hurts after the bye and you use the ankle injury as an excuse? We've talked about this mentality. You have to evaluate the quarterback position. You're trying to serve two masters. You're also trying to make the playoffs. The Washington football team won last night. They're the number seven seed. You're only a half game behind for that final playoff spot, and you play Washington twice. Um, so you're still in it. But Howie Roseman's got two different things going here. Can they learn something about this offense if they just say, you know what, Jalen, rest that ankle, get ready for the run, for the final playoff run. Let's see this offense with Gardner Minshew. Mm, that's tough, but the but you know what what really turns my head to say I, that could be a possibility is this coaching staff really has no allegiance to to, to Hertz at this point. You know they he was there when they got there, so I could possibly see that happening. But you would have a fan page that would go absolutely nuts if they did that. But not if you blame it on the injury. Say he's not ready. He's not. Well, ready you could to go. do that, but and and he might yeah. not be ready to go. I mean, well, if right. you think about Jalen Hurts' impact as a player, if you take away his mobility, you got a problem, even Absolutely. against the New York Jets. It'll take away it'll take away probably three quarters of his game. It'll take you know, because the defense won't be looking for him to run if he's like that. So they'll probably do less and 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 go to coverage and not even worry about his ability to go out there and make plays. What that could do would be twofold if you put Garner Minshew in it because this offensive line is a run-blocking offensive line. They do struggle with the pass. I don't know if you could really put them guys in a position to to go up there and change the offense that much when they've been 
struggling against blocking um, pass plays. You'll probably put Garner Minshew in a bad position because, you know, he's going to want to throw the ball. They're going to have to change the offense for him to a probably a pass-heavy um, pass heavy game just because he's that type of quarterback. You know, it changed really the dynamics on how you approach the game and game planning and everything else. But, I mean, that's, that is a possibility because they owe Jalen Hurts nothing. You know, at this point, uh, they've given him the reins and he's taking the reins and he has some success. But it's really not enough success to really, you know, galvanize him into being the starting quarterback for next year. So that could be a definite possibility. And if they do do it, if it's because of this injury, it, you know, they could get away with it. You know, Howie Rose want to say, you know, we just have to do it out of necessity, you know, you know and that could happen. But I, I wouldn't do it, though. But I, I could see them as an organization. Right, let me that. let me take John's point or uh, position and and further it. They decide we need to take a look at Gardner Minshew. We need to see the Eagle offense with Jalen Rager as your third <laughs> wide receiver uh, with someone else pulling the trigger. The quarterback is ready to play. He's Yeah, he's not 100%, but you, you ask him, he's going to say, yeah, oh, I'm good to go. So the coach has to come front and center and go, yeah, Jalen's ankle isn't good enough. Well, his teammates are going to be able to talk to Jalen. They're going to be able to see Jalen. They're going to see him on the sideline. They're going to know that Jalen wants to go, and this is a decision made by the organization, not because Jalen's hurt, that they're pulling him. They can tell John McMullen and Barrett Brooks and everybody else that, oh, Jalen can't play because of his ankle. But Jalen and his teammates will know how much of that decision is because of his ankle or how much is it because, as John just suggested, they want to see the offense with somebody else running it. If they did that, how much of a uh, backlash would there be in the locker room after the game? It would definitely be a, a backlash because, you know, this team has has has, has really put Jalen Hurts in a position. He is their leader. Um, you know, they rally behind him. They believe in Jalen Hurts. So there will be some guys that will be a little pissed off, you know, that – they make this decision be kind of like the same decision they did last year uh, during the playoff. Well, to keep the giants out of the playoffs. And, uh, and we lost the last game to Washington because of that, you know, they knew that he can go out there and play. And if he just stayed in the game, they probably would have won that game. They took him out. So it would cause some unrest because it'll just show the organization is not really trying to win as much as these, these players are trying to, these players are really putting forth the best effort they can to win. You know, they have not given up on this season. They're still fight scratching and clawing out there. And to do that would really put bad taste in their mouth because it just shows the, how disloyal the organization is, number one. Number two, that, you know, none of these guys are safe on this team. And they understand that anyway. It's a what have you done for yeah. me lately league. They understand me, that. It, yeah. But it would, just, me, it would just put them in a bad source, you know, definitely. And let me throw in real quick. I don't think the Eagles would do it at any opera unless it was a true 50-50 situation. Unless right. he was a true – game time decision where it was going to come down to, all right, go out on the MetLife turf before the game and we'll see how you are. I think then they might err on the side of caution. They have that plausible deniability, but they would enjoy. I think the part that I think is true is that they would enjoy seeing this offense. And more importantly, that's probably a bad word. More importantly, they would gather information on this offense. Is yep. it limited because of Jalen Hurts, or is it limited because it's limited? 
I think that would be valuable for Howie Roseman more than anybody else to evaluate the quarterback situation in 2022. Nick Sirianni, though, he's trying to beat the Jets. He's trying yep. to make the playoffs. Yeah. That, so that's that's the difficult sort of balancing act. Well, yeah, and like I said, he he doesn't he doesn't have any loyalty to Jalen, but you know those two are tied to the hip. You know they're both lifting each other. They're climbing up the the ladder of learning this offense and learning who they are as a team. It would put him in an awkward position if, if they made him do that. But you know I've, I've seen worse things than that happen. You know a lot during the league. So you know it's just it's just one of those things where this is, this could possibly be what they need to, like you said, gather intel on what this offense really is. And, you know, is Jalen Hurts really the guy? Can I just put anybody in there in the office, just run, um, you know, run and be successful? Or is it because of Jalen Hurts that this offense is running the way it's running? You know, and you just like you said, it'd be valuable intel for him. Um, it would really turn a lot of uh, 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 it would turn a lot of decisions they make right now about these three draft picks in the future. You know, I know they're burning the hole in Howie's pants right now. You know, just like money, well, hey, them draft picks are burning the hole in his pants. He want to get out and, and do something with them so bad. This will probably be the, the gauge of which direction he would go uh, in this offseason. Just right, that one me, game. Let me reference uh, a different aspect of the Eagles. We know the final score would happen on Sunday. They lost to Giants 13-7. I thought the Eagles were going to win by double-digit points. I thought they I were on also. a roll. I thought that the running game was that did. effective. I think the Giants, I think they played smart. I think they came in well-coached. I still don't think they're a very talented football team. Was part of the problem Sunday that the Eagles were smelling themselves a little bit? That maybe winning three out of four and listening to media members like Jody McDonald, John McMullen, Barrett Brooks, that tell them they're going to win by double digits and they could put a winning streak together. Did they get a little overconfident or a little too cocky? I know it's tough to do without being in the locker room, Barrett, but that's what we do. We got to try and judge the performance after the fact and the way the guys carry themselves. Did, did they come into this one a little overconfident? Uh, I, I, I do think they, you know, they did read the press clippings a little bit. You know, it was a bunch of data boys going on, uh, on Thanksgiving, you know, saying, you know, guys come on, Hey, data boy, wait, great job. You know, a couple, you know, a couple too many data boys, you know, at the, at the Thanksgiving dinner, but at the end of the day, they, they had a chance to win, you know, and, and, and that Giants team stinks, man. You know, anytime you get four <laughs> playovers and, yeah. and, and turn four turnovers and then you still, and they barely the guys, won. Yeah, 13 points. Yeah. That's that's just ridiculous. So yeah. they lost to a team they shouldn't have lost to. And but I'm gonna tell you the truth, at no point during that game did I feel as though the Eagles were gonna win it. They just didn't seem like they were that's interesting. totally vested in it. I thought the exact opposite, Barrett. At no time did I think they weren't gonna win it until Jalen Rager dropped the football. I, that's how but but that was about the Giants. That's about yeah, how yeah. bad the Giants were. And I, I want to split this up into two things with the Giants. I thought Patrick Graham, their defensive coordinator, I thought he did a great job. I really yeah, did. yeah. I I thought he he put together a, a good plan for what he had. But that offense, I mean, and part of it is they didn't have a lot of their playmakers, and the playmakers they did have are banged up. Uh, and Saquon obviously isn't what he once was. 
uh, Kadarius Tony or whatever. He wasn't available. We know Daniel Jones. We know how bad that offensive line is. They changed from Jason Garrett to Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, how do you lose that football game? Other than you're five and six, and there were a lot of that of boys, as you said, Barrett. I mean, they took this team for granted, from my perspective. Yeah, but I, just from the flow of the def- flow of the offense, the way it was rolling, and defensively, you know, little things like my my. I'd have to. We have to write up a prediction for for NBC Sports Philly, and my biggest prediction, my my um my reason the Eagles need to win this game. The only reason they they couldn't win this game is that they allowed Daniel Jones to get those crucial first downs with his legs. Not necessarily, you know, they needed to stop the run, but more so stop Jones from running. And I thought that was going to be the big key on how they would win the game if they were able to do that. Another thing I also thought that, you know, when I was watching the game is. Everything that could go wrong went wrong for the Eagles. The entire first half. I mean, even going into halftime with the pick, I'm like, why don't you just kick the ball? Kick it, and we go in 3-3 tied going in. We have the ball, and we come out. Just little things like that. I was like, what is going on? Why are we, you know, just just not going ahead and just 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 dominating this team? We were clearly the better team. Clearly it was we were the better team. Things just didn't fall into place for us, you know. The mere fact we let Kenny Galladay, you know, have a, a good game against us, you know, that I just didn't understand why these things were happening. That's why I never felt as though we were going to win the game because we never took hold of the game and, 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 and took it away from the Giants. I felt like the Giants just held the ball and just kept it away from us. We didn't just go out there and just dominate them like we should have dominated. That's why I was thinking that, man. I, it just, I just didn't feel right, man. I had that uneasy feeling because we weren't going out there – and, and 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 intimidating them like I thought that we were. Galladay did make some big third down grabs. I think I give him at least uh, credit for that much. Um, all right, so if they did overestimate their ability to beat and or dominate the Giants, does all that go away with this week? They got it the has Jets. To. They're a bigger favorite against the Jets than they were against the Giants. And oh, by the way, Jets won last week. Uh, what's the mental attitude of the team in the locker this week with the way the game went and with the opposition being who it is on Sunday? Oh, they're going to, they're, they're going to, they're going to beat the hell out of the Jets. I'm telling you because they're going to come back. They're like, look, we can't have this. I don't care who's the quarterback. They are going to dominate the Jets simply because that's just what they do against the Jets. They got to get this taste out their mouth. That's Losing true. to a team like that. They will not do it two weeks in a row. Also, I don't know if you heard uh, Ray Diddy. He came up with a stat. The Eagles have never lost. Yeah, yeah to, and never lost to the Jets. Yeah, and that's 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 huge. That's big. That's big. So hopefully we keep it going, man. And, and this team finally realizes they're not as good as everybody's saying they are. And pat them on the back, but they're not as bad as the way they looked last week. It's strange as it sounds, especially against the the Eagles and the way they play defense. Uh, I'm much more concerned about Zach Wilson than Daniel Jones. Yes, uh, me too. Me too. I'm, I'm, at least he can throw the football. And if he gets hot and you let him get hot, uh, maybe things can go in a negative direction. But I'm with you. They can't lose the New York Jets. They won't lose the New York Jets, unfortunately for Jody Mackweek. But uh, <laughs> Barrett Brooks, our buddy, NBC Sports Philadelphia, the middle too with Harry Mays here on the Jacob Media YouTube page. Jody. Like, share, and subscribe. You can listen to Barrett all the time.
like, share, subscribe us. Like, share, subscribe uh, Barrett. Like, share, subscribe Cilio. Just keep keep the Jacob Media YouTube channel on all day and just keep clicking. Do us yeah. that favor. We need it. Barry needs it. He needs a new watch. Yeah. The one that he's wearing and is Victor. getting a little, yeah. getting a little <laughs> yeah. old on it. Uh, BB, always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks for hopping on with us. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Barry. Barry Brooks here with us on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500, or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Jumping back into the fray with hour number two here on Birds 365. You got Mac and Mac. McMullen and McDonald uh, to take you home from here. Bob Groats, our bud from the Delco Times, is going to hop aboard less than 20 minutes from now. I, I pose a question to Barrett Brooks. I want to get your take on it as well, John. Uh, and I think I know where you're going to go, but I'm not positive. So here we go. Nick Sirianni came into this season. He and Howie Roseman, week one, had a plan in place as to what they wanted the Eagles offense to be. They 
tinkered with the roster accordingly. They did certain things roster-wise and play-calling-wise to achieve a goal, which was this is what we want our offense to look like. Run-pass ratio, RPOs, a lot of things went into it, and they had it on display. Week one against Atlanta, it looked pretty damn good, as a matter of fact. But the Eagles started to lose games, and Nick Sirianni realized, you know, we're actually more effective when we run the football two to one than when we throw the football two to one. And they did just that. They adjusted <clears throat> on the fly. They made changes. They they put what they wanted to do off to the side and decided let's do what we need to do to win football games. Which you're telling me they can't do with Greg Ward because he's too freaking slow and he's not athletic enough and you can't uh, do it because Greg Ward can't help you win games. Uh, but that's a philosophical choice, not a production choice. So sometimes they draw down hard and fast on philosophical and other times they show flexibility. Well, let me ask you about flexibility again. Going back to more 12 setups on offense and two tight end looks. Know that they kind of put that in mothballs when they traded Zach Ertz, but it was effective last year. I know Nick Sirianni wasn't here, but Jalen Ertz was here last year and had some success throwing the two tight ends, Goddard and uh, to Ertz in their last couple of games last season. I'm doing anything to not have to throw the ball to Jalen Rager. And if it means putting two tight ends out there and force feeding a guy like Tyree Jackson, who I know is very inexperienced and is just getting his feet wet in the NFL. Again, I'm so down on Jalen Rager. Any other option is a better option as far as I'm concerned. Will the Eagles even think along those lines? No. Um you know, and I think that was Howie more than anything else, jumping the gun. And I think I even mentioned that on Burst 365 when they traded Zach Ertz because he did go a little bit over the top with Tyree Jackson. I mean, this is a kid very early in the process of changing from quarterback to tight end, developmental prospect. Uh, I don't think he's ready to play uh, heavy snaps. You know, Barrett brought something up that I brought up, I think, last week about Kenny Gainwell. And I just threw it out there to throw it out there because he's a natural receiver. You had benched him because of the effectiveness of Jordan Howard uh, in Boston Scott. Then he was back because Jordan Howard got hurt, caught the football pretty well late, uh, bobbled one a little bit, but was effective. By far their best receiver at the running back position, maybe more of a receiver than a runner, to be honest. So why not try him at the slot position? Now, I threw that out there with the full knowledge they wouldn't do it because of what I said. You don't practice something. You're not going to do it midseason. Just something interesting to throw out there. You know, one thing from early on, Nick Sirianni, like everybody else, like Doug Peterson, uh, wanted to but couldn't. But Doug had different options, wants to play uh, 11 personnel. Now, when Zach Hurts was here, you could – say you, you you couldn't really um debate the fact that Zach Ertz is a more effective player than Jalen Rager or Quez Watkins or anybody else but now that he's gone you don't have that hurdle so you can keep the 11 personnel on the field 
which I do think helps the running game, as I said, with the spacing, as long as you keep the fast guys, Quez and Jalen, on the field. So my answer would be, and as I said, I'm with you, with Jalen Rager shouldn't be playing. I think you got to send a message to the locker room about production, about, look, if you're not going to produce, we're going to send it. My my answer would be elevate John Hightower, put him on the roster and play him. He can run. I don't know if he's going to be effective. I don't think he's going to be effective, but he can run. So you can't have that, excuse me, you can't have that spacing argument because he's just as fast, maybe faster than Jalen Rager when it comes to stopwatch speed. And who knows? Maybe he can catch the football occasionally when it is a scramble drill. Um, He would be the one guy where I would say at least you could, um, you know, duplicate the success of what you're having. But we go all the way circle, and I finally brought it up with Barrett, Gardner Minshew for a week. Again, not benching. Not anything. If Jalen Hurts is hurt, if he's going to be effective, I think you could learn a lot of things about this offense. And Gardner Minshew is not the answer. It's not about Gardner Minshew. It's about learning about Nick Sirianni's offense. If Gardner Minshew was out there, I might entertain playing your boy, Greg Ward. I might entertain it. He might get the football. It's more important to have somebody who can catch it. You're not going to run the RPOs as much. You might run a few. Gardner's got some mobility. But you're not going to be so quarterback-driven in the run game to where that's important to you. So, again, and I I was pretty shocked about what Nick Sirianni said about the passing game yesterday. I thought he was pretty above board. And, you know, he didn't mention names, but we all know who the name is. And he said, passing game is not where we want it to be. I take a lot of pride in that. I've been on a lot of teams that have been very successful passing the football. So no one is taking that harder than me, and it's my job to get it fixed. I, I, you know, and he's saying when we drop back in second or third and long, he said we're not effective. They could learn a lot about this offense, Jody, uh, if if Gardner Minshew played because of an injury, not a benching, because of an injury. Right, but let's and and I, you're doing a fine job of threading the needle, of not calling for Jalen Hurts' benching by going. It's got to be exactly fifty-fifty. So I know where you're at. Here's the problem with it. Again, you have philosophical debates and then you have reality. I understand the philosophical advantage you could gain by playing someone other than Jalen Hurts. That you, by comparison might be able to see something that tells you, no, here's the reason why it hasn't worked well enough with Jalen Hurts. It could be Jalen Hurts. It could be everything else. What is Gardner Minshew right now? What what is he going to be able to differentiate? We know he's going to stay in the pocket. He's not going to pull it down and run the way that Jalen Hurts is. Is he going to throw it that much better? 
Is he going to be that much more accurate? Is he going to be able to decipher a defense quicker than Jalen? What are we really going to learn from Gardner Minshew in one week that's going to help us evaluate what Jalen Hurts is or isn't? Well, I, again, I, I don't think it's necessarily about Jalen Hurts as it's about Nick Sirianni's offense. In, in other words, if you're – take Nick out of it, take uh, Jalen out of it. If you're Howie Roseman, you got to evaluate both, right? You have to evaluate is Jalen Hurts the quarterback of the future? You have to evaluate did you make the right decision with Nick Sirianni, an offensive coach, an offensive play caller, an offensive schemer? Um you just heard I gave you the question mark, uh, the questions um, that Nick Sirianni answered about the passing game, admitting, you know, uh, that's my baby, essentially, is what he said. Um, and it hasn't been effective, which he admitted. So, yeah, I mean, I don't want to overstate it uh, because Gardner Minshew isn't uh, Aaron Rodgers, but I mean, a guy who completed 66% of his passes uh, uh, last year, last season. Uh, it's a guy who has been able to throw the ball effectively at times. And remember, you're not facing the the 85 Bears, unfortunately, right. Jody Mack week. You're and facing a bad jet, football Jet defense team. is nothing special right now. So this is sort of a, a laboratory. In other words... Look, if Gardner stinks it up, throwing the football, you say, well, maybe this offense isn't isn't that good. Maybe this offense, I've seen, you know, um, ex-NFL personnel people on Twitter saying, you know, what's up with these route concepts? What's going on? You know, maybe it's, maybe they're not helping Jalen Hurts enough in the passing game, or maybe. Uh, Jalen Hurts doesn't get the football out on time. Maybe Jalen Hurts is not pulling the trigger quickly enough when things are there. Uh, I've heard those criticisms of of, of Jalen Hurts. Uh, you learn something about the offense, and by learning something about Nick Sirianni's offense, you learn something about Jalen Hurts' ability to run it and where do the Eagles want to be. We, we talked yesterday, Jody. I think it's one of the rare times you agree with me. Look, you can win the games. You can win games running the football. No question. People do it every week. But the margin of error is smaller. And you saw it. Turnovers, holding penalties, bang. Then what are you going to do? You can run it on first and 20, but your effectiveness is going to go down. You might even convert occasionally. But it's going to go way down. You've got to be able to throw from the pocket at some point in the modern NFL. I think the Eagles would gather valuable intelligence about this offense and about their quarterback if they saw somebody else in a very small sample size. And then you go right back after the bye, and he's healthy, and he's got two weeks, and you make the run, and you serve the two masters, and then you can make your decisions. You can make a better decision in the offseason, whether you're going to go after Russell Wilson or try to convince Deshaun Watson, Philadelphia's Miami of the North, and um, or, or draft Kenny Pickett or do whatever you want to do. You could do all these things, and you'd have more information to make a better decision. John, I follow your concept 
to the T. I get it. I understand it. And it could be really helpful. But there's a variable in there. And the variable is the quarterback that you're putting in. I got no idea. Well, I know we have his career stats in Jacksonville. Well, we're now almost a full year removed from that. And you're picking a guy up and throwing him in there when he's thrown how many balls this year? He played at the tail end of their big blowout game. Did that give him anything to base an appearance on? No. And, and again, it, it's to me, it's not about Gardner Minshew. I mean, he's a backup quarterback. It That's has what... to be, John, it has to be in part about Gardner Minshew because he's going to be playing. So you can't just, well, put Gardner Minshew to side and just let's evaluate everything else. Somebody's going to be pulling the trigger on the plays. Somebody has to go out there and actually quarterback the team. So you can't take Gardner Minshew out of the equation. What is Gardner Minshew? I don't even know what Gardner Minshew is right now. Well, so he's a better, he's a more, he's a more experiment with him pulling the trigger. He's a more advanced passer than Jalen Hurts, or he had been. Now he's like a, 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 a you know, like backup court. I mean, sometimes backup quarterbacks don't play. For 16, now it's 17 weeks. Don't play for 16 weeks, 17 weeks. Somebody gets hurt. They got to go in year two, year three. That's part of being a backup quarterback. What I mean by it's not about Gardner Minshew, obviously it's about his performance on the field. But even if you, if you're a coach and you're watching film and say, okay, this progression, like the last play of the game was designed to go to Devontae Smith was 1A, as Nick described it, Dallas Goddard was 1B. Now, from Nick's perspective, they took Dallas Goddard away, which seemed to be Pat, Patrick Graham's number one game plan was to take Dallas Goddard away. They took him away. There was a very small window to get the football to, to, to Devontae Smith early uh, in the route um, if he pulled the trigger right away. But he also said there were some bad, route running from Devontae and Quez Watkins. They were running sort of a double crossing route and they didn't, you know, do it well enough where you get the proper rubs and things like that. So all of that kind of mixed in as a coach though, you understand what's supposed to be accomplished on a particular play. Like in, in other words, if Gardner Minshew's in there and he makes the right read, he knows where the football's supposed to go. The ball's out, but it's an incomplete pass. You have that information. You're like, okay, it was there. He made the right decision. The ball was out. I know my system worked. Um, and on this particular play, we didn't just, we didn't execute. Like you have all that information as a coach, or if it's Howie Roseman, he could ask Andy Weidel and say, yeah, this is what's supposed to be accomplished on this particular play. Gardner was really quick with the processing or maybe he wasn't quick or blah, blah, blah. You have all that information. And I just think that is the more important part. And that's what I would be trying to say. And by the way, I, I want to say this again, because I know how people take things out of context. I'm not saying the Eagles are even thinking about this. I'm not saying that's their plan. I'm saying if you take advantage of an injury situation of 50-50 where a guy's not going to be effective because he's, you know, obviously his biggest strength is his mobility and he's going to be limited, he might show up Wednesday and be fine. And none of this is even a question. 
But if he's really struggling, if he's hurt more than people let on, I, 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 I would think about it, especially because you can also spin as we have the bye week after the Jets game. So you got a full two weeks to recover. I don't think you'd have that uprise in the locker room. And Barrett's right because people love Jalen Hurts. They would not take that well if they they're not going to bench him. And, and that's why I keep saying they're not going to do it. I'm saying only in in the indication where the injury is real and it's it's 50-50 and it's they're trying to push him to get back on the field. I wouldn't push him to get back on the field. That's all I'm saying. Okay, fair enough. And I know you're trying to qualify it as best you can because some people are just going, why is he hating on Jalen yeah. Hurts? You're not. Yeah. I get what you're trying to do. But you could do that in every position on this team. Yeah. Let's let's play Nate Herbig at center this week because we can get a read on whether the offense works when you've got a lesser center in the Yeah, but you know you don't have to do it with certain players. Like Jason Kelsey, you know, I mean, Jason Kelsey's Jason Kelsey. He might go to the Hall of Fame. You're trying to evaluate not only again, not only the quarterback for the long term. No, I'm not trying to evaluate Jason Kelsey. I know what Jason Kelsey. I'm trying to evaluate Nate Herbig as a center. No, but uh, J- Jason uh, is so entrenched as a player. Look, if he can't play, he can't play. And then, yeah, it's a legitimate conversation. But you know, Jason Kelsey is going to play. He came in last week, and he's going to try to play. You all know all that. So that's my only discussion of, look, if you can't play, yeah, okay, that's different. I'm saying in in Kelsey's case, you're going to defer to him. In Hertz's case, I would say if it's 50-50, I would say, look, medical people, you know, shut them down. That's what I would do. Fair enough. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. We've got guest number two for today's show coming up next. It's our buddy from the first state, although he lives here in Pennsylvania. He writes for the Delco Times. Uh, coming up next is our pal Bob Groats. He's going to jump aboard Birds Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 
or visit us online at MessaLaw.com. Messa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. got the Mega Mac guys here on Birds 365, and we've got a well-refreshed guest. He's out in the car. He's drinking something. I didn't pick up on that one. Much like I Rep- that coffee, Bob. Repressed, yeah. Oh, yeah. Repressed? What? No. I don't know what that I don't know what that word means. You're repressed and repressed. What do you got, yeah. Wawa coffee, or did you go to Starbucks? You're, you're no, it's, uh, yeah, it's a Wawa cup. It's uh, home coffee. All right. I just okay. I got out of the house. Yeah, got to get the oil changed and all that stuff. You know, I and I would suggest that too for the Eagles. You know, a little oil change wouldn't hurt right now, yeah. right? We were talking about a little oil change, but not way. the quarterback we're, position. Yeah, we're talking oh, about it. no. If he's hurt, no. not benching. If he's hurt, if he's hurt, Bob. If he's hurt, he tweaked his ankle against the Giants. Um, if he shows up Wednesday and it's uh. A significant ankle sprain. I think you could learn a lot about Nick Sirianni's offense if Gardner Minshew was in there. Well, you probably you might be able to, but uh, you you start a, a quarterback controversy of not uh, if he's hurt. It doesn't matter. No, he he's not going to give that up. We all know that he played the rest of the game. He is not going to give that position up. That that's the guy he is. He, he's kind of like the Kelsey of the quarterbacks. So if you take that job away from him, oh man. It'll be entertaining to write about, John. I, maybe that, if, if you're looking at it from that angle. I already wrote but, about it. Come hey, on. Jody, Jody, one thing Doug Peterson did really well until, you know, the very last year was manage that quarterback position and keep stay clear of controversies. I don't think Nick has those credentials. And, uh, and if the front office is doing it, oh, you know, start looking for another quarterback. All right. So when John told you the oil change he was looking at was at the QB position, you rolled your eyes. What position were you thinking about, Mr. Groats? Uh, I I was thinking about uh, the um, I was thinking about the wide receivers and, um, and and you know I'm not I'm not dumping everything on uh, Jalen Rager. I, I think it I, I think that's a little yeah <laughs> this is a little bit much. I mean he is what he is. Um, there's a reason that the Eagles drafted another wide receiver a lot lower than him in the next draft. And that's because uh, he's he's not a first round pick. So, but uh, but I would I would take um, I, I just don't like their passing game either. I you know 
And John, you know, that that's an interesting just concept with Minshew. And, and uh, I don't know that really that he would run the offense any better than Hurts. I'm just guessing because he's been in different schemes that that he might. But uh, but I, I was really disappointed in uh, Jalen Hurts, the decisions that he made last week. I mean, they gave him Jalen Rager and hey, he took it and. And you know you you don't throw him you don't throw a guy the ball that that just can't perform in those situations. We all know that, and uh, I think some guy you know Clark Judge. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but uh, yeah. he's a longtime NFL writer. He had a he had a tweet that was that that was hilarious, and it it also bore truth. You know, he said if you have one pass to win the game, you know why would you throw it to Jalen Rager? He couldn't catch a cab in downtown Manhattan. Manhattan right now, you know, and you know what the traffic likes. It's like there. I mean, it's like, I mean, and that, you know, that's not, um, that's not an indictment of Rager because he's already proved that he's not, not a number one, but uh, you know, those decisions to throw him the ball, how can you, how can you keep, you know, you, you do take what the defense gives you, but, but not if it's Jalen Rager and, uh, and some of that is scheme too. I, I got to lay some of that on the coaches. They, you got to have an easier scheme for him to use uh, for, uh, the quarterback for Jalen Hurts to use to, to find the right guys. Correct. And I appreciate Mr. Judge's attempt at humor. Uh, Jalen Rager's not a good enough player, and they over-evaluated when they drafted him. I've, he's shown no improvement since he's gotten here. Um, so the majority of the blame goes on him. But there's blame to be shared. And I seem to be harping on the fact that Nick Sirianni just keeps rolling him out there. He even said blatantly into the camera yesterday, he gives us a better chance to win the football game. I disagree. Shame on you, coach. You've watched enough of this guy. He doesn't give you a bet. He decreases your chance to win when he's out there on the field. So I, I, I think he, yeah, I think he meant a, a better chance to win than uh, maybe JJ or uh, Greg Ward, you know, the guys that I are know. on that roster. Yeah. But, uh, but he is the thing. He he is part of the progression. Rager is part of that that uh, quarterback pro- progression when he gets out there. I, I just don't. I, I think Rager. I mean, I think Hertz just really took a step back. And uh, and you know, that that's the kind of game that I look at and I say you, you you might need another quarterback here. You know, although Russell Wilson didn't look too great last night, did he? He, no. he looked. Like, yeah, I mean, he no. he looks like he can't move anymore. So, but uh, but you know, I I don't. You know, you've got to – and, John, you've said this a lot, I think, all year. You have to be able to, to throw the football to, to come back. I mean, if you're down double digits, you can't run the ball. You can't go on a, on a 15-play drive where 11 of the plays are runs. You don't have time, and uh, and that's where they are. But this is part of the growing pains. I, I Quite frankly, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I think it's encouraging that they've won five at this point. But they are in it, Bob. I mean, you mentioned the Washington football team beating Seattle. Russell Wilson not looking that good. They they they're the seventh seed. They're the last team in the NFC playoff race right now. If the season ended today, obviously the Eagles are only a half game back. They play them twice. I yeah. think there's four teams. Uh, Do you see them beating the Washington, John? I don't see them beating Washington. That defense well, I've, I've said well. from the start that Washington is the key to it all. Yeah, I don't think I don't see that. Key. Yeah, but Taylor I mean, Heineke, I, I mean, come on. If you can't yeah, stop you're right. Taylor exactly. Heineke, 
hey, John, John, Daniel Jones. I didn't think that would happen either. And uh, especially with a with a new play caller and uh, what that that's like that offense is, you know, they're, they're back to the Stone Age with their concepts there. So, I mean, to lose that game is, um, that a bad you know, loss. yeah. And that's an indictment of just about everybody on that team. Were they feeling themselves? Were they did they take the New York Giants for granted? Were they? Uh, we had Barrett Brooks on. He called it uh, data boys. Were they looking at the pats on the back and saying we're a little bit better than we are in the in the home of Bill Parcells? He yeah. says you are what your record says you are, and it says yeah. the Eagles are a mediocre team. Well, I don't I don't see how anybody could have played the Giants last Sunday and not felt good about themselves. You know, like. <laughs> I look at all the, the issues that they had. I mean, that, that's remarkable that they came back. Maybe maybe Strahan gave him that little push yeah. with when he had his number retired or whatever. But uh, but I, I I think it was Ike Reese or no, it was Mike Quick who was talking about that giant defense and uh, and I didn't I didn't pay a lot of attention to it, but he's right. I mean, that's that's a decent defense on the Giants. Yeah, and, uh, they did a good yeah. job. Yeah, I mean that, that's a lot better than I thought. They can cover so. Yeah. Oh, and the other thing too, I, I think it was Julian Love came out, Jody, yeah, and he said that they wanted, no, yeah, they, you guys know that. I mean, that's what you do. That's yeah. what you do. You know, if they if the Eagles get behind, they they're not equipped to to play catch up. So, but uh, I, I'll give them a little credit for finally realizing that you, they had to run the ball to win. All right, I uh, need you to do a little revisionist history with us here for a second, Bob. How negligent was Howie Roseman? starting with the day he hired Nick Sirianni and going straight through till today with a heavy emphasis on the preseason roster shaping, cutting down. Yeah. How negligent was he not adding another veteran wide receiver? Because I said to John earlier, Greg, I was talking about Greg Ward. He said, well, uh, Greg Ward is the veteran wide receiver on this team. Veteran wide receiver used to be a freaking quarterback. He's only three years out of college, and he was a quarterback for his entire yeah. collegiate career. How can you lean in on him as yeah. the veteran clutch mentor-type wide receiver? How bad did Howie blow it by not uh, being able to land that type of player? Yeah, I, I don't know that any veteran wide receiver worth anything would have come to this team. I mean, they're clearly in rebuilding mode. Uh, there was uncertainty at quarterback. They just got rid of one guy, a new coaching staff. So, Jody, I, I mean, that's a good idea, but who would want to who would want to come here? I mean, those veteran guys, they want to win and um, they don't want to go into a, like a rebuilding situation. So I, I don't think there's I don't think that's that that big a thing. But I thought you were going to talk about, uh, you know, the the uh, easy training camp and, uh, you know, and, the, and and how they nobody played in the preseason, none of the starters and everything. And uh and this is kind of, you know, I, I think that would have helped them more if, if they had actually figured out who they were before October, you know, or the, the uh, beginning of November. So uh, that would have helped. I, I really, when I look back on this season with that coaching staff, I don't, I don't know whose idea it was, but uh, injuries, you, there was always injuries. And I know they wanted to get to the, the starting gate healthy, but uh, I think that hurt them a lot too. I, I really think they needed to do more in the preseason and uh, so the coaches could figure out what the strengths of the players were and, and how to how to scheme effectively. But who are they, Bob? I mean, Nick was pretty honest about how bad the passing game is, and yeah, he was not happy about it. 
Yeah, they, they still, in my opinion, they still need a quarterback. I They have a real – that offensive line is uh, – it's it's really good. I mean, even when even when guys get hurt, I I know there were a couple penalties on on uh, Herbig the other day, but uh, they still were able to to run the ball like they do. And uh, you you put somebody in there that can um, that that it is a little bit more of a passing guy. And uh, and I think uh, you know there, there's Goddard is going to have like seven or eight catches a game, catches not targets. And uh, Devontae Smith, I think he's going to light it up. And with, even with the, even if they did, did play action, he's going to get the ball more than he did. But, but you, you need somebody that's going to be able to throw these guys open. And, um, and, and quite frankly, you know, um, uh, yesterday, I think Aaron Rodgers, the way that the Eagles are, their scheme is, I think he would have had trouble throwing guys open in this scheme. It's too, it's too limited. So if uh, I'm reading you right, and we don't know if Jordan Howard's going to be able to play this week. Probably, but we don't know that. We don't know that Miles Sanders is going to be able to play this week. Coach said yesterday, check back with me on Wednesday. Can't give you any update right now. Are they just going to try and run Boston Scott down the throat of the New York Jets? If that's their identity and they don't have a quarterback who can throw people open, and damn it, they're putting uh, Jalen Rager out there for 85% of the snaps. Yeah, I'd try and run the ball too. Are they going to have enough healthy running backs <laughs> to be able to do that? Uh, Miles Sanders, yeah. I, I kind of – he came back and he played. I guess there's a possibility that uh, that uh, he might not be available. But, uh, you know, the indictment of him is when the game's on the line, they, they don't want him on the field. <laughs> they want – they went with a rookie, you know, who could who, – who was going to be able to do the things that they wanted to do or, or Boston Scott in the other game. So – uh, there's still an issue there with Miles Sanders. Um, I, I, you know, I, he's he's still got a lot to learn, and um, and he has less experience than than uh, some of those other guys. So, um, yeah, what, what do they do against the Jets? I'd like to say that the the Jets are a pushover, you know, but uh, you know they they're coming off a win, you know. Um, that quarterback here's a here's a, a decent stat for you with uh, Sirianni against the Jets. He's three and one against uh, the first year head coaches this year. The only yeah, loss is to Brandon Daly. Yeah. yeah. So their their staff, I get maybe they get up for these games or something. They'll they'll have a they'll have a workable plan this week. And um, and you know the Jets, um, I, I quite frankly I don't know as much about them as the Giants, but uh, I I don't expect um, I, I don't expect this to be like. Um, I mean, the Eagles are favored by what six and a half. I, yeah. I think they, I think they win by a touchdown. I, you know, the the young quarterback and everything. Um, I, I had another bone to pick too with a with that defensive coordinator of the Eagles. You know that that last field goal drive by the Giants. What did it take? Like twenty? They controlled the yeah, clock for like twenty much, minutes. Too much. You time, know. Yeah. yeah. Why? Why do you want to bend but don't break against Daniel Jones? You know. They, they well, didn't let, even let, know. You know. Let's He's talk about the plays defense. off his wristband and and um, and the other guys that. You know, they you could tell they weren't lining up right. Why don't you throw why don't you put some heat on the guy, you know, like uh put him on the ground. I that that was uh I didn't like that either. That was way too passive. You know, I feel like we haven't talked about this defense all week because there's so many issues with the offense. The defense, you know, they gave up thirteen points on the road. You should win that game, but is it a chicken and egg situation? Uh just 
they're better against bad quarterbacks or are they starting to figure some things out with some personnel deficiencies? Obviously they're not tr- terribly talented on the back uh, in the back seven to say the least. Yeah. That, that's the first bad quarterback that they, they lost to. And I'm going to put Daniel Jones in the bad spot. He just hasn't had a good year. I think he has ability though, but uh, I think, uh, you know, they still got 13 points. You know, and um, that offense. Well, I mean, in the modern NFL, 13 is pretty good bad. for deep. <laughs> I mean, right, right. Yeah, well, it was three good. more than the previous week. You know. Yeah. Look at the guys. Yeah. Even look at the guys who, who scored the touchdowns the last two weeks. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Both first-time touchdowns. You know, and yeah. Kenny Galladay. Wow, what a bad pickup that guy was. You know, they they talked about him not being able to separate. Oh my! I, I mean. How can he? How can he even look in the mirror and say that he can separate, you know, <laughs> or get the ball? I mean, it's it, you've got to be. It's got to be a perfect throw to him every time. Uh, the, the Giants got problems. I take Kenny Galladay on the Eagles. I would not. I, I would. I would. I wouldn't <laughs> oh, even want him I in the locker room. Take Jalen Rager. Yeah. I want the ball, Lance. He makes a big third down yeah. play. Okay, Bob Groats would not take Kenny Galladay over Jalen Rager. I would it. not. Oh, I don't even want him in my locker room. He's a complainer. He can't get open, and he complains about it. That is your most devastating criticism of all: taking Jalen Rager over anybody. Man, that's yeah. I, I'd take him a former thousand-yard receiver at some point. I mean, it's he's not that long. Some... It's not that long a drive from MetLife down to <laughs> your door. Be careful on Christmas. You might get yeah. a visitor you're not looking for. You know what? I would fire Gettleman just based on that move alone. I mean, I, what was he looking at? I mean, come on. I, it was, <laughs> the cornerbacks were like smiling when they were there. They were like, I mean, he, he uh, just just not a good guy. Not, not a good okay. player and All a complainer right. uh, and no a complainer. Christmas, no Christmas card for Kenny Galladay from uh, Bob Groats. All right. Uh, Eagle offensive line question. Driscoll now done for the year. The second time on IR, nothing you can do about his history. Yeah, that's not Herbig, good. Herbig is going to be uh, slid into his spot. But we see the Eagle offensive line a lot of times this year not make it through games. Shoot, Kelsey got hurt again. He missed more than just one play. Usually yeah. Kelsey goes out. It's one play and he comes you know right it back was in. Bad. You he know was out bad. for a significant amount of time. And the head coach didn't even know that he got back into the game. Yeah. Who's going to get reps if the Eagles suffer an offensive line injury again this week? Well, they they and they can't lose a tackle now because Driscoll was their swing guy too. So um, Sua Opeta could get some snaps. Um, Herbig is going to have to play center. I don't. The, the coach made a good point about um, you know the the pivot and, and um, there's no time to really show Landon Dickerson. You know how it's done right now. It's a little bit too late to make that change, but. Uh, so Herbie would play center, and then I guess you'd have Sue Opeta. Yeah, you know, and yeah. and he's a he's a penalty waiting to happen. You know, whether it's a false start or a hold, he's he's uh, he's got ability. But I think that's the reason he, you know, he, the Eagles got him for nothing. You know, like he he just uh, I don't know how many career snaps he has, but most of them, most of I those snaps. He's were, a very he's a very intimidating looking man. Yeah, Sue yeah. He, yeah, he, that doesn't help either. No, when he looks at the officials. Yeah. yeah, but I think he's got like maybe ten or um, I don't know how many plays he played, but um, he's got he's got a lot of penalties. It, it, if you're casting a football movie and you want a a big nasty looking guy, you cast Sua Opeta. 
I don't That's know. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. The long, the longest yard three. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, nasty looking, but nasty playing is Jordan Mylata, who uh, is scoring points with Eagle fans every single week because he seems to get in a shoving match with somebody, and the Eagle fans just absolutely eat that up. Um, if uh, he goes down, we know that Dickerson is going to be plugged in. If Lane Johnson goes down on the right hand side, do we see Andre Dillard attempt the right hand side again? We know it that first time. Yeah. Like, we might have go to go back to yeah. John's boy Andre Dillard playing right tackle. You might have I, to. Do I, that. I would. I would think honestly, if Lane went down, which you don't want. Dillard would play left tackle. They'd kick Jordan to right tackle because Jordan can yeah. do it. That's true. Yeah. They did that earlier this year. Yeah, yeah I, I don't really like that line. Yeah, I mean that. Then you're you're just kind of like throwing darts. So, uh, but you know, I wanted to I wanted to see the Eagles get this quarterback thing resolved this year, and uh, and I always thought it would just play itself out. And uh, here we it are. Hasn't. And, here we are. Yeah. It has. Nobody. Yeah. We I mean, have it, no information. We have it's, none. It, it's just always there, you know, like, yeah. but, um, I, I still, I, I think you need it. You, you gotta, you have to be able to throw a lot more efficiently than they have. And, um, and I don't know if this is the guy that's going to be able to help you do it. Jeffrey Laurie, Bob, you've been around for, um, I believe the entire Jeffrey Laurie era. Of yeah. Yeah. Will he accept this offense? as a long-term thing or will he put his foot down and say nope you got to have an advanced passing offense to win consistently in this league we got to go in a different direction will him, he just say that at some point yeah him being the analytics guy that he is yeah he probably he already knows that and um and uh, i think he he know i think he figures this is just kind of a phase that they're going through you know with the new staff and everything and um, uh, yeah, there, there's you can't you can't go on like this. I mean, it, it's amazing to me that uh, the Baltimore Ravens have been so successful running the ball, but they they've also played great defense, and uh, and they have some you know when when a when somebody a free agent or or something or when somebody leaves the Ravens, they get picked up and they make a lot of money. You know the dif- defensive guys. So I mean that that helps a lot, but uh, but you really. Yeah, I mean, that's you have to be able to throw the ball, and um, you know, I, I guess it was um, the last, or I think it was the Steelers. Yeah, the Steelers were the last team to win a Super Bowl that ran the ball more than they threw it, and that was when Ben Roethlisberger had just the the worst game young, ever. Yeah, very young against quarter. Seattle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just don't win that way. You got to be able to get the ball, throw, air the ball out, and. Um, and uh, Rager has, I mean, uh, Hertz has, has shown that he can, he could throw, he can, he, what do he have, 387 earlier in the season? He yeah. threw for 387. Was, yeah. He, he showed, he's shown uh, flashes, but, but they're only flashes. There, there's still that consistency isn't there. And oh, by the way, too, some of those throws on Sunday, I mean, they, they, you know, just not that good. I mean, just not that accurate. Behind guys, um, not the last throw of the game, but but well, the since the Eagles thing. since the Eagles changed to pretty much a run heavy offense uh, during the Raiders game, but if you if you use that as the demarcation line, uh, Jalen Hurts since that time 
57.8 completion percentage. Uh, yeah. Uh, under 150 passing yards a game. Um, four interceptions, which were, uh, you know, the vast majority against the Giants. So that hasn't been as big as a problem. But 50 under 58%, 145 yards per game passing the football. That is a tough way to win in this league. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to, I was thinking under 60% for that. So, so, you know, this is, um, you know, this is, these next few games are huge for uh, Nick Sirianni too. And, and his credibility with uh, management, with all the stuff that's, that's going around. And, um, but I, you know, what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, I, I see Hertz getting out there, even if he has to, you know, Whatever he has to do. Uh, the Eagles love Zach there. Wilson coming out. That was the guy they would have moved up. If they could have got Zach Wilson, he'd be the quarterback of the Eagles right now. You think so? Yeah. yeah. He had a, I just love a tre- Zach Wilson. Tremendous love workout. Yeah, the, yeah. That workout was incredible. The all-platform throws, Bob. Unbelievable. <laughs> that, Unbelievable. That workout was so incredible. I called up Merrill Reese, and he told me, Bobby, Bobby, it's just a workout. By the way, Merrill and Mike were at MetLife Stadium. They were doing it live. Yeah. They weren't at yeah. Lincoln Financial Field. Uh, so they're going to be there, I assume, again this week. Yeah, and this I whole thing, th- this COVID stuff, this has yeah. been killing Merrill because he loves to be at the game. He he wants to be in the locker room. He, I mean, he barely – he has to, to, to say hello to the players, to try to get to know him a little bit, Jody. He's got to stand outside the interview tent and introduce himself, you know, after the press conferences. And, uh, you know, that this has really been really tough on him because he's he's a real football guy. And, uh, and it's, he, it's compromising he, for everybody. Yeah. Right, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Bob Groats, final question for me. And this is not a trick question. What number is Ryan Kerrigan? Yeah. <laughs> I know it. He, you know? he should have he gotten vaccinated. It's in the 50s, right, John? Uh, no, he's uh, oh. number 90. He's Ryan number Kerrigan. 90. And I needed to know, I had to look it up, because somehow he played 13 snaps again this week. I trust he got a people. tackle, I think. I believe he had a tackle. Did he get his second that, tackle that's a the typo. this week? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, got, I got the game book. I'm going to look that's, it up. I, that's a typo. I, I'm not so sure. Yes, I, I he had hearing, a tackle. Ryan yeah. Kerrigan. So he doubled, that, he doubled yeah. his tackle production for the year on Sunday. Yes. yes. Went from one to two. What the hell? He's doing exactly what they're asking him to do, Jody. Very productive football. Yeah. A lot of times better. His eyes straight ahead. Yeah, JG, that's what you need. A guy who can keep his eyes straight ahead. He's playing. A lot of times these veterans, they don't want to go to a rebuilding team. But Kerrigan is a he's an exception. Yeah. (laughs) Transitioning team. We should have wished him on to a uh, rebuilding slash transitioning team other than Eagles. So the Eagles, yeah, the Eagles got to avoid a controver- quarterback controversy, you know? You, you no, can't even Johnny have, Mac is pushing You can't even have no, a see, here now. 50-50 right down the middle so they can throw Gardner yeah. in. Uh, see, now Jody, Jody's going to get me in trouble. I'm saying only if Jalen Hurts' mobility is effective, there's no use in playing. Remember, Bob, they have the bye week after the Jets game. Yeah. So they got two full weeks. Yeah, I was thinking healthy. about that. For the playoff run, that's how you spin it, and you say, "Let's take a look at deep down how he's going to be smiling." Saying, "Let's take a look at Gardner Minshew," but nobody else knows that 
except us this, on first. This three. locker room is not equipped to deal with a quarterback contract right. now. Because if, if Gardner goes in and Gardner throws, stinks, though. If so he goes in and throws for three oh five, guess what? Oh, yeah. You got That's yourself a quarterback controversy. You, That's fair. Good That's, luck getting Nick Sirianni yeah. up there on Monday going, and Jace and Hurts uh, is our guy. That's yeah. a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> you know, but see, I didn't even compute that Gardner would play well. You, you didn't go that far. That. See, you gotta yeah. think about those things. Yeah. Uh Bob Gross, right. thanks for taking a coffee All right, break guys. with us. Um, Thanks, Bob. Delaware County Times. Read Bob Groats, the great. Right. I'm going to call him the great uh, Bob Groats. Yeah, yeah. Hey, the the population is losing. I mean, the population of Delco is declining. So, yeah, there's not a lot of greats left. So, yeah. but it's always a pleasure to come on your show, guys. Our yeah, pleasure. I appreciate All right. it, Bob. Bob Groats going out for a great oil change, and I have faith that he will get just that. I got to get uh, an oil change too, Jody. That reminded me. I keep going up the turnpike. I got to get my oil changed. I don't have time. I know. We don't have much time left here, but I got to tell you yesterday, uh, same thing. Uh, Shows that were boom. I had to run out. My daughter got a flat tire. She was here all weekend. She was driving back to Philly. She got like a mile down the road, went into the supermarket, came out, tires flat. So we get it towed back here at the house. I'm going to take it down to our local garage. Does all the work for us. And yeah, there was a big old nail in it. You could see it. It was like, yo, big. Um, so they pull it, plug it, not a problem. Boom. I pull out of the ground. I drive about a quarter mile. You know, they got those idiot, uh, numbers that show up to tell you how much tire pressure you got oh, yeah, yeah, on yeah. your dashboard. Yeah. 26. All the rest of them are in the thirties. I'm at 26 on the new tire. That he just, the repaired tire that he put on there. Drive back down to the, the, the garage. I go, did you put enough air in there? I hated to ask that question. He said, I set it at 34. How the hell's it 26? Second hole in the tire. Had to go back and get another one plug uh, for my daughter. So yesterday I took care of my daughter. Today I got to take care of myself. I got to go get blood work. Uh, you've got my blood boiling by not giving Greg Ward his proper uh, <laughs> That's level. why you're a pro. You, you, you mess it all together. Yeah, we I got your blood boiling. But I hope you drank some water because it's not going to matter, Jody. You're going to get by. Shh. Yeah. And just a little water. You're not supposed to have any. I'm having just a little. All right. Come back. We'll put a bow on the show. We've only got a couple minutes left here on Birds 365. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. 
and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at MesaLaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Down the home stretch, we come here on Birds 365. I come back, guys, McMullen and McDonald. Uh, tomorrow it'll be McDonald and Kerr, correct? You got to do the uh, yeah. COVID gotta thing. Try to get uh, try to get cleared to go to the New York Jets. Now football. you're allowed to drink all the coffee you want before you got to go in and take that COVID test. Right? I can, yeah, I can drink coffee. I can drink water. Hopefully, I don't, you know, have to blow my nose before the COVID test. That that could be an issue. Which, oh, by the way, Dallas plays. Uh, Thursday night, uh, they yeah. played Thanksgiving, and then they've got a Thursday night game coming up uh, right away, uh, two days from now. No and coach playing the Saints, who are missing a ton of talent still, and they went from a legit playoff contender to a team that's the, watching the bottom fall out on it. But the Cowboys are going to have to go without Mike McCarthy, who tested positive for uh, COVID. So uh, the Eagles shot themselves in the foot by losing to the Giants this week. The Washington football team. You watch that game last night? You watch Washington Seattle? Uh, I was in and out. You know, I was trying to um, trying to catch up on Curb Your Enthusiasm for Jets Week. So I was bored. But, it was uh, it was pretty damn boring. It uh, wasn't a great game, but it was uh, had some, some exciting aspects to it. A blocked PAT taken the other way. Yeah, I did see yards. that. That was great. But that was you, great. You now, trust, trust Way was kicking because the, their kicker got hurt, I think. The punter was kicking the extra point. That's why it sort of happened. Right. So you get to the end of the game. Seattle's uh, got the ball. Excuse me. Washington got the ball inside Seattle 10. They're up by eight points. All you got to do is kick a field goal. There's two minutes to play. Oh, they can't kick a field goal. So they got to go for it on fourth and goal, and they get stopped. So they give it back to uh, – Russell Wilson, he's got to go 96 yards. Yeah. And what does he do? He goes 96 yards and sticks yeah. it into the end zone. So you got a two point conversion to potentially win the game. He never saw the DB, got it picked. But it, it got real exciting at the end. It, it was a snooze fest amazing. for three hours. Yeah, it's amazing how you play defense. And we've seen it for years. These teams play defense one way for the majority of the game, they dominate. 
and then all of a sudden they got a lead, it's late, and they start, you know, uh, playing more uh, uh, cautiously, and, and the team goes right down the field and scores. It is interesting, though, because I think, you know, again, Washington lost their kicker. Um, they went for two earlier in the game after taking the lead and got it. That's the reason why Seattle had to go for two. So it kind of kind of worked out in both ways for it. And I think Washington had set a record for uh, two-point uh, uh, futility. I think it was 12 in a row or something. They weren't able to convert, and they finally got one. And essentially, that's what won the game for them earlier to get them that extra point. All right. Today's coordinated day. I enjoyed your article in Philly Voice uh, yesterday. Taking bullets is nice. Taking responsibility is nice. Production is actually much better. And give the Eagles credit. They got guys who are willing to take bullets when they need to. They're not a, hey, I'll throw my buddy under the bus or I'll throw my player under the bus type team. Coach takes bullets. The players, the quarterback takes bullets. Rager even took bullets after his lame attempt. Will the coordinators take bullets today, Johnny Mack? Um, no, I mean, no reason for, as I said, you give up 13 points again against a bad team. I don't, there's not, there hasn't been much talk about the defense this week. I don't know if it's real or they're just playing bad quarterbacks, but there's not much to criticize them about. Shane Steichen doesn't give me anything anyway. And Michael Clay, um, you know, the Eagles should probably change, as Barrett mentioned. Uh, their return game hasn't been very effective. Aaron Seapos has been great uh, for the most part. Jake Elliott has been even better. Um, so they're fine on special teams except for the return game. Yeah, I, I was going to say, you got a legit question for Michael Clay. Everyone else wants to sit Jalen Rager. Do you want to sit Jalen Rager? Get yeah, the hell off your that. front team, too, because yeah. he never does anything there either. Yeah. Sam, I'm I'm surprised they haven't. You know, they made some changes. Remember, at the beginning, Quez Watkins, to be honest, was even worse at kickoff returns than Jalen Rager, and they made the switch from Quez to Jalen on kickoff returns. So they've shown a willingness to change. I'm surprised they haven't given somebody else an opportunity on pump returns. I I'd have Boston Scott return kicks, to be honest. He's not great, but I think he would give you a little bit more as both a kickoff returner and a punt returner. He can do both. I say, hey, that's who I want to see returning. Does he even does he get uh, activated on Sundays, or does he uh, always deactivated? Who are you talking? Take Allen? Yes. Was he a good kicker? I don't even know. I got no bloody idea, but he looks like a fast guy to me. Oh, he is a fast guy. That's what I I mean. I want to put him in there. Give me a fast guy. You're telling me it's all about speed, 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 speed. Greg Ward can't play because he's got no speed. I got to give you... Hey, number one, I got to give you credit, Jody, for bringing Take Allen up, number one. So I give you credit for that. And then, two, I thought you had some interesting intel about his life as a college kick returner or something of that nature, which I haven't delved that deeply into it, but he could definitely run. That's what I don't know if he has any returner experience between you and me. Neither do I, 
but I know what Jalen Rager is. So the alternate option is better as far as I'm concerned. I had never better option than being here with us on Birds 365. We plan on being back here in 22 hours. I will be. John will be on the phone. So we'll put up a pretty picture of his face because he's got to get to the Wells Fargo Center and or the uh, Novocare Complex and get uh, tested for COVID. Uh, J-Mac. Fingers uh, crossed, man. Nine people, nine players on the COVID list. Mike McCarthy's on the COVID list. It's spiking again. I don't like it, Jody. I don't uh, like it. I, I hope you come back clean tomorrow, buddy. Stay away from Jalen Rager because he may drop COVID on you. He drops everything else. <laughs> he, could, he could drop COVID on you, too. Uh, thanks for watching, everybody. Like the show. Do me a favor right now. Don't hesitate. Hit that like button. We need your help here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.